God will help. I want to look, if you have your Bible, uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 11. And um, I love this story. I was telling Sula before church, this particular story of of Lazarus being raised from the dead was instrumental in my life. It was a a moment of, uh, there was a moment as a teenager, you've heard me uh, tell my story of, of how um, someone was speaking at a conference and they were speaking on this Lazarus and how I was in the balcony and then the Lord was convicting me and I was sitting in the balcony and I was fighting the Lord calling me and I knew he was calling me and I was making every excuse I could that day to not come up front and and I mean just being led by the Holy Spirit this this person that was speaking looked up exactly where I was sitting in the balcony and pointed and he said the devil's telling you to stay up there. The next thing I know, I was up and I was j- moving over people and, excuse me, excuse me, and tears just began to break. And there's something about coming to the feet of Jesus that has power. Amen? And so I want to talk to you, and three points, three points, and I don't want to keep you long. And everyone said, you've got a lot of faith, Pastor. I don't want to keep you long. But uh, uh, three points today, and the first point is simply this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep this as, as basic as possible uh, the trouble. Everyone say the trouble. Uh, T-R-O-U-B-L-E. There's a lot of songs about trouble if you look them up, right? Um, but in our text today, in John chapter 11, we see trouble. There's some pain. There's some sorrow. There's some suffering that has come to roost at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus has become ill. Remember, Lazarus is Jesus' good friend and it isn't looking good. Anybody ever face any situations where it didn't look good? Amen. And, and the thing about Lazarus, he's so sick, he's got one foot in the grave and one foot out of the grave. He, it is not looking good for this guy. And, and so, um, and it's interesting, they come from this town called Bethany. And Bethany, this is, this is I, I love this, Bethany, the name of, of, of the city, Bethany, the meaning of the name is this, house of figs, how many like figs? <clears throat> Two of you, three of you, um, like figs in the house. I'm not a big fig fan, not my favorite. I'll eat it if I, it's the last thing before I die, I'll eat it. It's kind of like a tomato for me, right? Um, but it's called the, uh, the house of figs, and, and another name that follows uh, this name, Bethany, is this. House of affliction, house of affliction or despair. Uh, um, and so how many have felt like in your life that you have been in some affliction and you were walking through affliction or you're walking through some despair and you're struggling? Anybody ever been there? Am I the only one? All right. Um, and so here we see Lazarus and his family from Bethany and they are from this city, which meaning the name of the city is house of affliction or despair. And and honestly, I love this. When you put Lazarus' name um, next to Bethany, what you get when you put those, God will help the house of affliction. I love this. I love this. In the middle of the affliction, God will help. Interesting enough, the trouble and affliction and despair has come into the house of Jesus' friend. See, Jesus and his disciples, 
uh, would stop by in Bethany on their way through to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home because they welcomed them. They almost used it kind of like an Airbnb. Hey, we need a place to rest. We need a place to eat. When they, they knew they could stop by, they were the original TA, uh, Truckers of America, right there in Bethany. And they would stop by and they would uh, they would roll out the red carpet. They would feed them. They would love on the disciples. They would help them get from point A to point B. And so they were friends of Jesus. And to make things worse here, uh, not only is, 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 um, is, is, is he friends with Lazarus, but he's, he supported Jesus' ministry and was one that truly loved the Lord. How many can say, I love the Lord? All right. And they were close. And, um, but here's what I've learned. And, and, and listen, in this life, you are going to have troubles. That's what Jesus told the disciples. Do you remember that? And, and Jesus told his disciples, the men who walked with him, in this life, you are going to have troubles. And what that means for you and me as believers, just because I am connected with Christ does not make me immune from the troubles of this world. Amen? You're going to face some circumstances, and like, I like this. C.S. Lewis said this, and I, I believe I quoted this the other day uh, at the funeral. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. Amen? And how many can say, hey, uh, Lord, I need you to speak a little bit of peace into my situation today. Amen? And, and when I'm struggling with situations, Jesus is present. You want to know the difference between a believer and an unbeliever when it comes to facing trials is Jesus is walking right along with you when you're going through something as a believer. Amen. So John chapter 11 and we're uh, here in verse 3. I love this because uh, it says this uh, verse uh, John 11 verse 3 through 6 it says this. So the sisters sent to him saying Lord he whom you love is ill. Now, I want to stop just right there for just a moment. There's something very uh, prophetic about what, how they worded this. So let me give you a little bit of, uh, of, of what's going on, a little bit of setting here. So Jesus is actually not in Bethany, and Lazarus is ill, and Jesus and the disciples, they're kind of hanging out uh, elsewhere. And so while, while they're there, and they sent word to Jesus to let him know that Lazarus was ill. They knew that Jesus could heal. They knew that Jesus could touch. And, and so they told him, Lord, he whom you love is ill. This is interesting to me. That's interesting to me because oftentimes we base, we base God working on our behalf because we love him. But they actually came to the Lord with the right attitude because Christ loved us first. They say, the one whom you love, Lord, is ill. You want to catch God's attention, remind him, he knows, but remind him that he loves them. Amen. And I, I think sometimes our prayers are more about us loving the Lord when it should be, hey, the Lord, the love of the Lord is strong for us and that it lasts forever. Amen. And so uh, they say this, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Look at this verse four. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Look at this. This is important right here. It is for the glory of God 
so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Parenthetically here, verse 5, this is interesting because uh, this is the Mary that would anoint Jesus' feet uh, uh, in the next chapter here in John. Um, but it's interesting, you know, Martha gets, gets the uh, kind of the, the rough way to go here. Um, she gets overlooked because she is the worker bee of the family. Mary's the worshiper of the family. And so, and Martha's like, hey, we got the disciples and Jesus coming. Get up. Let's sweep this house. Let's get some food going. She is a worker. She is a servant. But this is interesting because Mary, you know, she gets a lot of, uh, of, of people looking at her. But here, this is interesting, verse 5, now Jesus loved who? Martha and her sister. So Mary doesn't even get her name mentioned here. It's kind of, kind of interesting. And Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, uh, he what? He what? He what? He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So, so Jesus gets news of Lazarus' illness and decides, hey, I'm going to stay just a little bit longer. Why don't you stay? Okay. My older crowd got that. My younger crowd didn't get that. And he decides to wait. I begin to think about this. This is, this is really crazy because as a pastor, if someone wants to call me and say, hey, pastor, I have an emergency. Can you come? And I was going to be like, yeah, I'll be there in two days. I probably wouldn't be a very popular pastor, right? Be like, hey, you're not there. But this, this kind of blows my mind. It doesn't make sense here. Um, but we have to remember in Isaiah, it says this, that the, thought, that the Lord's thoughts are not our thoughts. The way that he does things are not the way that we do things. He sees things in a different light than we see things. See, while we're thinking of the sickness and the trouble of, of Lazarus, he is mentioning the glory that is going to be given his name. Amen? I, I love that. So speaking, speaking of trouble, God sees, sees it differently than we do. 2 Corinthians 4.17, one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, and all, all, all of the, the word of God, one of them, not, I have a, I, all of them are my favorite, really. When I read them, I'm like, that's my favorite, and then uh, that's my favorite, that's my, but this one says this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Amen. Now, I like that verse. How many, how many find comfort in that verse? But this is what I found out about that verse. You will be amazed at what God will call a light momentary affliction. Amen? More month than money. Anybody ever been there? Or, or maybe a wayward child, or maybe a broken home, maybe a sickness, maybe you lost your job, and God says, oh, that's a light affliction. And I, it, it makes me wonder, I, I begin to think of it, it's kind of like a, a dad who takes his young son to be like me, I can't say why it necessarily, but it'd be like me taking Novak to the gym and, and, and bench pressing what I can bench. Why it might be able to out bench press me because he's a lot bigger than me, so I have to use Novak in this instance. But, but anyways, it'd be like me taking Novak to the gym and taking the maximum amount that I can bench press and putting Novak on the bench press and saying, now you lift this. 
It makes me want to petition heaven and say, God, this is not fair. Lord, you say this is light. Of course this is light for you, but Lord, I am struggling. Anybody ever been there? It's not fair, and Lazarus is sick, and, and he dies, and, and, and God says, oh, this is a light affliction. And, and finally, he tells, tells his posse there, his disciples, he says, let's go to Bethany. Let's go to Bethany after a while. And, and how many know that when we have trouble, sometimes we have to wait on the timing of the Lord. Waiting is awfully hard. Waiting is the struggle that I have. And waiting can simply be, you know, you could sum up waiting is this, trusting in the Lord. I'm going to trust in your timing. I'm going to trust in your answer. So look at this, John chapter 11 Verse 17, I'm going to jump ahead here. It says this, when Jesus, he came and he's heading to Bethany. He's not quite in Bethany. Uh, and he had found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So, man, Jesus really messed up here. He is late. Uh, it's not even fair because last week we learned about Jairus. And Jairus, his, his daughter died because Jesus was occupied with the woman with the issue of blood who slowed him down. So there was, there was a good excuse, you know, in that instance. But in this instance, Jesus is just chilling there. It's an African-American colloquialism. Basically, he is just chilling. He is hanging out there. Verse 18 says, Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off. So this whole time, Jesus is only a couple of miles away. And how many have felt like in your life when you're going through something that you know Jesus is not that far away, but yet he feels like he's a million miles away? Anybody ever been there? And that's the case here that Mary and Martha are feeling, verse 19. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Verse 20 says this, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, everyone say, Martha, Martha, Martha. I know it's Marcia, 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 I know. Martha heard he was coming. She went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said these words to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Something about this statement, this is amazing to me. Um, it, it really is a statement of faith. Her brother's dead, but she knows who Jesus is. She knows what he has done. She's seen miracles that he has performed, and she understands something. Lord, if you had been here, if you had only been here, my brother would not be dead. And, and, it's, and Martha does something here. She does the Martha thing. She is a worker. She is a go-getter. Don't make me sit down. I'm going to go make it happen. How many know somebody like that? And she breaks tradition here. The tradition was to do what Mary does. She actually stays in the house. And in, in, in that time, when someone was coming, you were to stay in the house until they called you out. But Martha, in her desperation, she goes out and says, I'm going to go meet Jesus face to face because I've got something I need to tell him. And so she goes out. She does a Martha thing, and she breaks this tradition. And she, she's a busybody, and she meets him. And, and, if, and she says, if only you had been here, he wouldn't be dead. Now think about that for a moment. How many times have we said those things to the Lord? If only you would have answered this the way that I wanted you to answer this, Lord, we wouldn't be here right now. 
It's a pretty bold statement to say to the Lord. And then it's kind of interesting. They have this, this conversation back and forth, and it's almost like Martha is, is volleying a volleyball over to Jesus, and Jesus is like, yeah, I got you. And he volleys it back, and then back to Martha, and then she volleys it back to Jesus, and then Jesus comes at one point, and he spikes the ball on her. Check this out. Verse 22 says, but even now I know that, now this is Martha speaking. She says, uh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now look at this faith. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I still know who you are, Jesus. I see you here. I know what's up. I know you can do whatever uh, you, 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 whatever your, whatever you want in your Father's name, and He'll give it to you. In other words, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'm going to see it again. Okay, so it, she's saying this in, in a measure of faith. She still has faith, even though the circumstance is not looking good. I love this. Jesus responds to her, and He says, "Your brother will rise again." There you go, Martha. I like that Martha said to him, oh, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So she volleys it back to Jesus. They're just having this conversation back and forth. And Martha is, is it's amazing to me, she is spot on. She is right. Martha's wanting to talk a little bit of theology. She's, she's saying, I understand he's going to rise again. I know in the end he is going to rise again. And I know this is true theologically. And she, she believes God can do a miracle here. But her issue is, is, is my issue and your issue. And, and oftentimes, God, I know you can, but will you? I believe in your authority, but Lord, are you willing to do it? And that's where my faith struggles and your faith struggles. Amen? And, 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 I, and she's saying, I know it'll work out in the end. I know uh, it'll work out in heaven. But currently, he's gone. He's cold. He's pushing up daisies. And I have faith uh, to know that he can. But, but, uh, but oftentimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I lack faith on if the Lord is willing. Amen? Anybody been there? All right. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. All right, I'm grateful uh, that the Lord is patient when I struggle with, with if he's willing or not. Amen. How many are grateful for that? Look at this. Verse 25 says this. Jesus said to her, <laughs> and this is where Jesus spikes the ball on her right here. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this? I love this statement. Martha, you are talking theology, but I am relating personally here. I am what you need right now. Amen? This is what I know about Jesus. If you are hungry, he is the bread of life. If you are in darkness, he is the light of the world. If you are stuck, he is the door of the sheep. If you need guidance, he is the good shepherd. If you feel dead or your dream is dead, he is the resurrection. If you are lost, he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you feel disconnected, he is the vine. Notice Jesus' response is the same response that 
God said to Moses, I am. I am that I am. I am the resurrection. It's not that I'm giving you the resurrection, Martha. I am the resurrection. Amen. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Some of you are wanting Jesus to give you a healing. He is healing. Amen. And it's Jesus personally, you're, and you're walking with him. Troubles come, and, and how we react to them is important. But God is able, and he's willing. We just have to trust and believe. Look at your neighbor and say, trust and believe. And Jesus says, Martha, do you believe that I'm the resurrection? She says, yes. And he goes on. To, and, and, uh, and, and so he, he continued on, and he, and he tells her sister that, that Mary, that, that Jesus called her. So she goes back, and she tells Mary, hey, Jesus wants you. And so she runs out to Jesus. Mary runs out to Jesus. I love her with the mourners that are there from Bethany with her, behind her. They probably think that she is going to the tomb. And so they're like, oh, she's going to go mourn at the tomb, so let's all run and mourn with her. And when she goes out to, Jesus's, uh, to Jesus, what does she do? She falls at Jesus' feet. There is something about when we come in humility and we say, God, I don't know where else to turn, but I know you're here, and I'm going to fall at your feet, and I'm going to just ask you to move on my behalf. Look at this. Look at verse 32. It says this. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, look at this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, man, she sounds an awful lot like Martha, right? She copied her sister's statement almost, I mean, for word for word. And what does that tell me? It's a reminder to me that who you hang out with is important. Because here's what happens. When you're around uh, people who, who are naysayers and people who, who don't want to uh, talk about the goodness of God, guess what? You will begin to parrot. When I say that, what I mean, like a parrot, you mimic. You will begin to say the things that those naysayers say. You need to surround yourself with believers, who people, with people who will stand with you and say, hey, God has got this. Don't be shaken by this situation. God has got this. Amen. But I love her response here. Look at this, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. How many know that God is deeply moved when he sees us struggling? In his spirit and greatly troubled, verse 34 says this. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And this right here, verse 35. Some of your favorite verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. This is the moment where Jesus wept. It's actually not the shortest verse in the Bible. It's actually in Thessalonians, but um, this one is actually longer in the Greek, believe it or not. And that's a whole other point. So now you guys know that. But Jesus began to weep. Why did Jesus weep? Do you ever think about that? Why did Jesus weep? Do you think he was weeping because Lazarus was dead? Do you think he was weeping because of the unbelief that he saw in those people that were mourning there? Do you think that he was weeping because he was mourning with those who were mourning? And he saw that they were hurting. And can I tell you something? Jesus, this is the way Jesus is. When you're hurting, he empathizes with you. When, when you're struggling, he sympathizes with you right where you are. You don't have to be perfect to come to his feet. You just got to be willing. Amen. And troubles may be present, but so is 
the master. Amen? And what you're going through is going to give glory to him. So here's, here's the second point right here. So we talk about the troubles. Everyone say the troubles. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows but. All right. You've got some troubles, but Jesus knows your troubles. Amen. All right. Here's the second point right here. Everyone say the tomb. Everyone say the tomb. Verse 38. All right. It says this. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. In other words, she's saying, Lord, right now, he stinketh. It's not a good time to be pulling that stone away. He stinks. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. I love Jesus here. He is reiterating something that he told her. Hey, if you believe, you are going to see a miracle. And can I tell you today, if you are, or if you are waiting for a miracle in your life, just believe. Just trust in him, okay? He'll speak to you. So uh, I, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Jesus, unshaken by the tomb. Think about this. Jesus, he is unshaken by this tomb. Uh, he's unshaken by the smell how many know that when an, animal, when an animal dies underneath your house, you got to get underneath there and get that possum out from underneath your house because it stinks, right? It doesn't stink, it stinks. Or maybe you got a dead mouse in your wall. you got to find out where that mouse is. And it, it's terrible. The odor's there. But notice, he, Jesus, is not afraid of the tomb. Jesus is not afraid of the stinky things in our lives. We say, Lord, well, if, if we pull this stone away, Lord, if we pull this stone away, it's going to stink, God. And you're going to see some things. And, Lord, you're going to smell some things from my life that I would rather just have this stone cover up. Rather than deal with it, rather than, than to, to deal with it, I'd rather just cover it up and not have to worry about it. You say, Lord, if you look in there, you're going to see some downright ugly things. And I'd rather not even bother. And my, my tendency and your tendency is this. Lord, I'd rather just bury it. I'd rather just put a stone in front of it. I'd rather just... Let it die because it stinks. It's not something I want to deal with. I don't want other people to know what, what, what I've gone through. I don't, I don't want them to see the ugly thing. Lord, it's covered up. It's dead. Let, can we just let it be? Can we just let it stay right there? This is amazing to me. In other words, I love Jesus. I love Jesus' response. He's, he's, he's not shaken by the tomb. He's not shaken by the smell. He's, no, remove it. Because here's the thing. This is the way the Lord is. I know those things. I already know those things. And I already know that it hurts. And I already know that it stinks. But listen, let's deal with it right now. Let's deal with it in this moment. Martha, I, I know it stinks, but, but you are about to see something that will give glory to God. You just 
got to believe. In other words, don't be discouraged by the circumstance. Look at this, verse 41. So they, so they took away the stone. I love Jesus here. This is so cool. He lifts up his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Next time you pray, you ought to lift up your, your countenance to the Lord. Say, Lord, I am grateful that you heard my cry today, that you heard my prayer today. Verse 42, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing here today, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, hey, I have to say this out loud right now because all these people around me need to know that, that, that this is done by the Son of God. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Everyone say it with me. Lazarus, come out. When Jesus, I, I, honestly, he could have thought him out. He could have just said, Lazarus, come out. But there's something in, in power here because he knows that faith comes by and hearing the, oh, Jesus understood that principle. So he, he says, hey, Lazarus, come out. And after they heard that, can you imagine? I don't know what it was like. I can only imagine. I only have to use my, my crazy mind to even wrap my head around this. But he's wrapped up in grave clothes. And I don't know if he was like, <laughs> I would have probably been that way. Somebody help me in here. See, there's authority in the voice of Jesus. Listen to me. There's authority in the voice of Jesus. Jesus can speak to your situation and turn it around in a second. But look at this. Uh, he spoke. Remember, remember a couple weeks ago he spoke. We talked about this. He spoke to the dead boy at, of the widow in the village of Nain. And last week we talked about how he spoke to Jairus' daughter. And he spoke to the winds and the waves and they obeyed him. He spoke to the paralytic man and he raised. He is speaking to your situation today. Amen. He's the name above all other names. He's been given authority according to Matthew 28. He said that before he left. He said, I've been given all authority. And can I tell you something? He called your name. He called your name. I love this. I love this. I love this. Verse 44 says this. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound and with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to him, said to them, unbind him and let him go. So here, let me give you this picture. Uh, 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 let me see. Come help me, Marcus. Sorry. Come on, Marcus. Uh, this is going to be our Lazarus today. So imagine this. Imagine Lazarus. This is Lazarus. Imagine him being wrapped with all kinds of linens, okay? And now what you're going to do, because you can't walk, because you're wrapped in linens, you're just wrapped as tight as you can, and this would have been your response coming out. You are going to just hop as if you were all connected in one big mummified thing. So this is, he says, Lazarus, come out. And can you see this? Come on, hop. Just hop this direction, Lazarus. Come on. 
Listen, it doesn't matter how you come out. The fact is, is that you come out of the tomb. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or not. It doesn't matter if you gracefully come out like a ballet dancer. But I can tell you this, the wages of sin is death. And it gets us wrapped up. And when Jesus speaks to a dead situation, you, you can't help but just bunny hop out. Thank you. Come on, give him a hand clap. And he's bound, he's bound by all these grave clothes. But I love Jesus' response here. Jesus says, hey, I called him out. Hey, you guys unbind him. Now, here's the thing. Now, this is for you. This is for all us church people. Jesus brings people from the dead. God, spiritually speaking, Jesus calls people out of darkness. Jesus calls people out of sin. You know what our responsibility is? To love on them. To tell them, say, hey, get this grave clothes off of you. You don't need this bondage in your life. You don't need that on you anymore. You want to walk freely in Christ? Let's get this bandage away. We got to love people. We got to see them where they're at. We got to get down to their level. We can't make fun of them because they're hopping. But we got to say, hey, listen, God has got more for you. He wants to take you places that you've never been. Just take this thing off. Amen? And as the church, we've got to do that. Jesus calls you out of darkness. But listen, it's our responsibility to love on people, to help them and show them. This is what the Word of God says. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says this, But God, everyone say, but God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, have you have been saved. Listen, if you're a believer in here, raise one hand. If you're a believer in here, raise one hand. You were dead to your sins, but God called you by name and said, come out. Amen? And Jesus, so merciful... That while we were sinners, the wages of sin is death. He died for us and called us out of the grave of sin into his marvelous life. I want to talk about this last part. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. This last part to this story, and most people stop right there, but no, I'm going to keep going. This last part of this story is amazing. We talked about the trouble. We talked about the tomb. Now I want to talk about the table. The table. John chapter 1, or John chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, it says this. Next chapter. This is right Jesus Jerusalem. Here it says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Look at this. Verse 2 says this. So they gave dinner for him there. Look at this. Martha served. Oh, Martha being Martha. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him. Where? You have the next part of that? Or is that is that all you have? Okay. At the table. Okay, that's that's all we have there, so... So where do we see Lazarus next? Sitting at the table with Jesus. No longer at the tomb. No longer bound by grave clothes. But sitting, communing 
resting. One translation says this, he was resting there with Jesus. That's what I love about God's grace and mercy. What seems like death to us, God can take a situation and turn something that seems impossible into a lounging, inclining, resting situation where Jesus is. He's doing something amazing. Jesus is there, and he, that day he would be doing the teaching, and he would be doing the talking and the speaking. But Lazarus was there, and, I, and Lazarus never says a word in verse 12, but his life is proof of the pudding that Jesus was the Son of God. It was the witness that God had brought him out. Listen to me. Acts 1.8 says this. You will be my witnesses. The question is, when your life or your testimony, is your life a testimony or a witness of God? Lazarus was dead. So were we. Lazarus reeked of the grave. So did we. Lazarus was bound in grave clothes. So were, so were we. Lazarus was raised from the dead. So are you. And now you are free. Lazarus was a witness to God's grace, mercy, and so are you. It's amazing to me. Notice when God does the impossible in your life, the unthinkable, you can't help but, but be as close to Jesus as possible. And Jesus is sitting at the table, and there's Lazarus being like, I don't stink anymore. Can I ask you this? If you're a believer in this house and God has brought you out, does your life show that you are a witness of God's mercy and grace? See, I, I use that scripture, this light affliction. Some of the things that you went through in your life were there to be your testimony, to show a lost and a dying world that God saves, that God's grace is sufficient, and that God can use anybody, and God can work out situations. I was thinking about this. I, I went to, uh, when, I, when I lived in California a few years ago, I went to Lowe's. And while I'm in Lowe's, I, I was getting stuff for the church, and you know, if you work at a church, sometimes when you go to a hardware store, you're buying random things that you don't necessarily. And this guy saw me looking. I was trying to figure out what I needed. He said, what do you need? And I said, this is what I'm doing. And there's two kinds of people at the hardware store. There's people that get invested in what you're trying to do and try to help you out. And then there's people that just want to give you just the minimal information. Well, this guy kind of got vested. He goes, well, that's interesting. Sounds interesting what you're trying to do there. And so he's like, you can go over here. And so he walked me everywhere I needed to go to get everything I needed to get. I, I loved it. It was cool. And we were just kind of talking in this, and in this little five-minute exchange of getting everything I needed, I got to the checkout. He walked me all the way to the checkout. And he said, man, is there anything else I can help you with? I said, no. I said, I think I'm good. Thank you so much today for helping me. And he, he looked at me, and he goes, hey, are you a believer? I said, I am. He goes, me too. Amen. And here's the thing, and I say that to say this. Is your life a reflection? Can people see the love of Jesus in your life? Can they see what God has brought you out? Can they see the goodness of God in your life? See, our lives are like, like Lazarus should be a witness or a testimony to God's grace over our lives. And, and, and people are going to ask, hey, what happened to you? You're different. You're clean. You're, you're in your right mind. Your attitude is right. And all you can do is say, it's only because Jesus called my name. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building?